Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. What a joy for us this morning to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I want to take this time to welcome each one of you. Pastor Linson already welcomed you, but you can turn to your family and say, I'm so glad to be part of this morning's service. Amen. Hallelujah. I said you can turn to your partners or your family. Amen. Good to, good to be here in the House of God Church. After a span of two weeks uh, that we had suspended our services, God has brought us back and we really thank God for his amazing uh, mercy and grace in our lives. And especially the last uh, 14 days that we are into our fasting, the Lord has been good to us. Amen. The Lord has been ministering to our hearts, speaking to us from many servants of God from all across, from not only from this nation, but even from India and other parts and worship leaders who have been leading us in a time of worship in the presence of God. And we thank God that uh, our church family is also able to join uh, in those Zoom meetings. What a, what a, what a, uh, what a circumstances in which, which we have found ourselves in, isn't it? Just think about the last one week. We saw the inauguration uh, of a new uh, president and vice president. And it behooves us as people of God to continue to pray for them. Um, for this nation, and especially as we know, uh, COVID and its uh, challenges, the new variant and all kinds of fears that are there. But through it all, we can know for sure one thing, that God can bring the, the same God who kept us all safe throughout the last 2020 is faithful and he will, he will, he will keep us all safe. Several of our family members, church family became sick, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that they are on their path to recovery. We thank God for that. Amen. We'll continue in the same theme that we had for this month. We walk by faith, not by sight. And today, I want to give title to my sermon, Faith of These Least. Faith of These Least. I want to take your attention to a scripture passage that we read last Sunday. But I'm not going to go to the uh, entire, uh, uh, the whole details there. Just the one part of it, one statement. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. The first part of it, part A. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? And what more shall I say? It's a question mark, isn't it? The writer of Hebrews then continues on by giving us names. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Shamuel, and the prophets. By this time, I know for sure that you may have read Hebrews chapter 11. So I'm going to kiss you this morning. Is that okay? None of you are ready for that, isn't it? You didn't have anticipate that. Pastor, I'm not going to be registering for a 9 a.m. service anymore. I'll come for the 11 a.m. service. You are not going to ask any questions at 11 a.m. So, if you have read chapter 11, okay, let me see hands who has read chapter 11 by this time. Anyone? Bold enough to say I read chapter 11 by this time? 
Nobody. Wow. That surprises me. No wonder we are walking by faith, not by sight. Okay. There are at least 16 names that you can find in Hebrews chapter 11. 16 names that I counted. And then there is also the story of the fall of Jericho. If you add that, even though the name is not mentioned, you know, you could say 17. Because we know the fall of Jericho took place under the leadership of Joshua. So 17. Even though the name is not mentioned, 16 names. Now, if I may be wrong. You can go home. Don't do it right now. Go home and try to count all the names that are there. Great men and women, isn't it? People of, people of great faith. Because they believe that God is faithful. They believe God is faithful. We call them the giants of faith. The other day, a man of God was preaching and he said, chapter 11 is nothing else but the corridor. A corridor that the writer of Hebrews picks from the Old Testament. In our term, we can say the hall of fame. Oftentimes we call this as a chapter of the hall of faith. Isn't it? NBA has it. NFL has it. MLB has it. Isn't it? They all have what? Hall of faith. You know, a, a very famous man died the other day. Aaron, what was it? Hank Aaron from MLB? Yeah, he... I never heard of him, but I came to know that uh, he was like one of the first African-American who got inducted into the Hall of Fame because he hit, what, 755 home runners? Wow, that's an amazing legacy. A giant of a man. But he had, to, he had to sacrifice a lot also for that. So many death threats because he was beating whose who's record? Babe Ruth's record. And, you know, nobody thought that a black man could beat a white man's record at, at that point. But nonetheless, he did that. So walk through this uh, chapter, the writer is doing something, you know, walk through this, uh, and you know, these, these are pretty common. Ba back in India, we didn't have like Hall of Fame, but if, if you were, if you loved cricket, you had cricket academies, isn't it? You would go to the cricket academy, and you would see these people who, who may have been part of the cricket academy, and now they became superstars, they played for India, you know, there may be pictures and images, or there may be trophies there, especially those who are football, soccer fans, they know for sure that, you know, the football clubs that were there that could have all kinds of memorabilia that are available, pictures that are available, people can walk. So the budding footballers, budding cricketers would be taken to those halls and they will see all these trophies and it inspires them. It inspires them. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is doing in chapter 11, that for these new Hebrew believers, if you're feeling tired of your faith, I want you to go on this journey with me. Come, let me take you through the corridors of faith, of faithful people of God who stood for their faith in the Old Testament. Giants! And we would love to hear their stories, from starting from Abel all the way to the prophets. You know, it doesn't even mention Daniel. It doesn't mention Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, the, and the, uh, nobody from the intertestamental period. It doesn't have all those names. But these 16 plus names itself will give goosebumps to us when we read their stories. They inspire us. They inspire us. But church, do we know that these are not the only giants in the Bible? There are unsung heroes of faith in the scripture. Unsung heroes. Oftentimes when we talk about faith, we get to hear sermons on the faith of Abraham. Great. We get to hear the faith of David. Great. We get to hear the faith of Moses. Great. Through the last 14 days, sermons, how many, those who we joined, you know that you may have come across many of these names being spoken by many of the preachers. But I want to take you this morning on a journey to some of the unsung heroes in the Bible who's, who do not even have a name, therefore we don't even remember them. 
But can I take you this morning to some of them? I don't know how much time will I have to take, the, take you through this journey. But let's, let's, let's look, quickly look to number one. I'm taking an Old Testament character. I would call her the unnamed slave girl. The unnamed slave girl. I'll give you $5 if anyone can guess who that person is. Anyone? Come on, children, young people. Okay, I'll keep that $5 to myself. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 5 tells you the story of an unnamed slave girl. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1 onwards, when you read, you come across the story of Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great man with his master and in high favor. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. By his name, Naaman means beautiful. By his name, he means one who is gracious. By his name, he means one who, is, who, is, who, who has everything accomplished, favorable. But he had a problem. He had a problem that was so astute, and you can say that he had a skin problem. The Bible, the Hebrew word used there can be, is a word used for leprosy. It may be some kind of a sin, sin disorder that was really bothering him. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on the, one of the raids had carried off, carried off a little girl. A little girl, maybe the age of 10 to 13 or 14. A little girl. No name for her. The Bible says they carried her from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would have cured him of his leprosy. So we are introduced here to a young girl, probably between the ages of 10 to 15, who was a captive taken by the raiding army of the Syrians who abducted her. Probably they killed her parents, we don't know. They abducted her, so she comes to Syria, and now she is at the beck and call of the mistress of Naaman, the commander in the army of Syria. She's displaced from her family. She's broken away from her family. She's a slave girl right now. Probably I was thinking, when they brought all these people whom they had taken captive, Naaman would have seen her and thought, maybe I'll put her to service in my house. He brought her to his house. And his wife is now the mistress of this young lady. Think about her. She's a nobody in that house. She was probably helping Naaman. She was probably helping Naaman's wife. In those contexts, in that circumstance that she finds herself, she brings out a great revelation when she sees Naaman and what he was going through. Would that be? My master, if he would have been in Samaria, in the very presence of Elisha, the prophet, he would have cured him of his sickness. Hmm. Just ask her. Just ask her, why would he say that? Why would he give that revelation to this man? This man is the one who is behind. His army is the one that captured you. Why would he even say these things to him? Do you think that he's going to believe? Number one. Number two. Why would you want to do something good for him? Because he captured you. He displaced you from your home. Your circumstances doesn't allow you to share your faith in this, in this scenario. Totally uncalled for, we may say. She would have said, this behooves him. Let him suffer because he is making many families cry and in agony. So let him suffer what God has given to him. I don't need to give him 
the remedy for this cure. She would, have, she would have said to herself, let him be in his misery and agony. I don't need to have worry anything about it. She can allow her circumstances to get the better of her and say, I don't need to help Naaman and his wife by any means. But that's not what we She didn't blame her circumstances. She never thought, even for one minute, she never doubted that God had a purpose for me, even in this captive situation. What does, this, what does she tell you, what does she tell you and me about her faith? That her faith was very simple, yet it was bold and courageous. She's not blaming her circumstances. I was just thinking, you know, it's been almost 11 months in the pandemic, and just think about the excuses that we may have, we may have found ourselves just to, just to be away from fellowship, just to be away from friendship. We may have cut so many friendships and fellowships just because we are saying we are in pandemic. Yes, isn't it? We will find all kinds of excuses, even before, when, even before COVID. Sometimes we ask people, hey, what happened? We didn't see you in church. Oh, today was a headache. Oh, sometimes you get the, the, the excuse of my dog didn't, you know, was not feeling well, so I didn't come. Hmm. And I know there are many dog owners now in church, so I am just thinking that probably in the days to come also, we may find less and less people. Sometimes we find the, 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 the most simplest excuses. But here we see she could have blamed her circumstance, but she never allowed that. She said, if only this man can be in the presence of Elisha, my, my, the prophet in Samaria, he would be cured. He would be cured. Just think about her faith and ironically, the faith of the king of Israel. So Naaman took that message. He goes to his king, say, hey, I want to go to Israel, not as a raiding party this time, but I want to go to Israel to find my healing. Because I heard from this young girl in my house, a slave girl, who has told me that there is a man in Israel who can cure me. So king of Syria writes a big recommendation letter and he sends, and he comes to the what? He comes to the court of the king of Israel. Israel's king, when he read the letter, what did he do? He tore his clothes and he began to cry out, am I God that I can kill and bring someone to life? Ironical, isn't it? It is a slave girl captured from Israel. She goes to the enemy's territory and there she's proclaiming about that is there is a God in Israel and the king of Israel, who should have been proclaiming that there is a God in Israel, he's so scared. Hallelujah. Her faith was expressed in a very simple term. You know, um, she didn't, she didn't know much of her. She was not exp explaining or expounding big theology. All she said was this, if only my master can be in Samaria. That's all. Very simple. You know, sometimes we are caught in that situation, you know, where we are confounded. What shall we, what shall we do? What shall we pray? You know, I was, this, this early this Monday morning, I was in that kind of a, a, a spiritual struggle. Some of you know that we have been praying for an auntie by name, Mariama Thomas. Um, her daughter is here in Irving, many of you know. And uh, we've been praying for her because I had known her from, from the year 85 onwards. She used to be a nurse in Ambala in the Air Force uh, Hospital. Um, I've been to their house in those days. And then she became sick with COVID. So last, last Monday she was a passing, she was, she was leaving the family. So I texted her daughter and said, hey, how she, mom is doing? So Anita also texted. Then she, she immediately called back. So we, I was surprised. I didn't expect the call to come. But then she called back. Then, and we asked her how, she, and she, she's crying, and she's saying, my mom is going. 
And you know, we wanted to pray, but I was like stuck, what shall we pray? And I'm asking him, what shall we pray? Shall we pray for healing at this point? Or shall we pray, Lord, let your will be done? And you just comfort them, you know, you just console them. What shall we pray? And we have been in th those circumstances. One way our faith says, pray for a healing right now, even though she's dying. On the other end, you are taking everything, you know, what you see through your eyes and say, no, this is not the time for praying for healing, but rather what? You say, Lord, comfort them, may your will be done. And that is the most safest prayer to pray, isn't it? May your will be done. But her faith is so simple. If only, you know what a conviction she had. I'm, I'm just thinking if Naaman goes there, nothing happens, comes back, what will be a condition? Can you just imagine? Man, I'm taking all these presents. I take this, undertake this big journey and I go there, I got humiliated. And where he's going to come back and take his humiliation on? He will come back and take his humiliation on what? This young girl. But she has no worries about those things. She's Willing to say, if only he was there, he would be healed. Simple, but courageous and bold, bold faith. Hallelujah. And you know, even what Naaman got from Elisha also was very simple, isn't it? Go and dip yourself seven times. How <laughs> often we are thinking of more, doing more complex things when God is asking us to do simple things. We want the complexity of things. But God is saying, do the simple thing. That's more than enough. And Elisha's, you know, name on servants come and say, he didn't ask you to do anything. You were ready to do anything. You were willing to do anything. But he just asked you to go and dip seven times in the river Jordan. That's all. But you know, when the story ends like this, Naaman then went back to Elisha and said, I know for sure one thing now, that there is a God in Israel. And hereafter, I will be serving only the God of Israel. All because of one young girl who was willing to let go of her circumstances, not dictate what she should speak, but she was willing to say, if only he was in Israel. Church, people of God, young people, I'll tell you, your faith matters. You are, you and I have been called to be bear, to be witness bearers of the one who is alive even today, working miracles. No matter, you may be in schools, you may be in colleges, you may be in workplaces, wherever you are, your faith and my faith, hallelujah, if it's simple as that, nothing more, my God can heal this hallelujah person, my God can change the circumstances, I know for sure, my God is a healer, my God can save this person, he can turn around the situation, Simple as that, yet bold and courageous. Bold and courageous. This woman is teaching you and me a, a beautiful lesson. This young girl is teaching you and me a beautiful lesson. You know when Jesus picked up the story in Luke chapter 4, he said, there were many lepers in Israel. There were many lepers in Israel, but only Naaman of Syria was healed. Naaman of Syria was healed. You should read that carefully. There were many widows in Israel, but the widow of Zarephath is the one who was fed. Now, these are two different enemy nations. Syria, again, Zarephath, not Israelite. What Jesus is saying is that my people sometimes do not understand, but there is a nation that is waiting to hear the message, and they will come to faith. Hallelujah. God expected Israel to be the light to the nations. Light to the nations. 
And this young girl, wherever she has gone, she went to Syria in her workplace. Even though she's a slave girl, yet in her workplace, she's, she's still able to carry the light of the gospel. Yes, there is a prophet. She may have heard about the, the amazing things that Elisha is doing. She may have heard from people that the double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah now rests upon Elisha. If only this guy can go there, he will find God. That is a story of salvation. That's what you find. This is a story of salvation that a Gentile, Naaman, is able to find that there is God in Israel. One young girl's faith speaks so louder, so louder. Church, this morning, this story reminds you and me, hallelujah, that anything is possible, anything is possible when you and I are willing to declare our simple yet bold faith no matter what the circumstances are no matter what the circumstances are the second story that i want to take you is is, is a book of uh, is, a, is a gospel of mark there are several several stories that we can say but gospel of mark chapter 2 this is a beautiful story oftentimes we read the story and why the story is so important is because jesus was able to see something that others could not see again all these stories what is the silver lining between all these stories is a simple one thing all of them, these people, all of these people, they had simple faith, but it was bold and courageous. Simple, but bold and courageous. The story is in, found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1 onwards. Here we find Jesus in Capernaum. After some days, he returned to Capernaum. He was reported to be at home. No WhatsApp at that point, no Facebook Live that Jesus would go and say, hey, I'm here, available. No, nothing. By word of mouth, the, the, the message went out, and people started throwing into the house. Commentators have different opinion as to whose house it was. Some believe it could be Simon Peter's house. No, no wonder he, he allowed his roof to be broken up, apart. It could be, perhaps. The story is so familiar to us. You read the same story in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 2 to 8, and also Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 18 to 36. But in, in, in the story of Mark, you find a bit more, a bit more thrust given to this story. Hallelujah. This, this gospel crusade, everything is going so well. People are thronging to hear Jesus. If you read, connect, connected to this, what Luke also says, that the power of Jesus is available there to heal people. So now you see, preaching is taking place, healing is taking place. What else do you need? What else do you need? You have the word of God preached to you, you have healing taking place. And in that, that particular moment, there is a big commotion outside. There is a distraction that is going on in the outside. Four people, four friends are bringing their friend on a court. Hallelujah. You don't have names for these four friends, isn't it? So shall we call them Chintu, Bintu, Pintu, eh, Tintu? Can we give them a name? Something like that that we can easily remember? So yeah, I was saying the other, the other day, I'm like in my imagination. Now we are all free to imagine, isn't it? I'm just imagining these, uh, these five friends were pretty thick good friends. Probably at some point, you know, they were playing or they were doing something. This other friend got hurt. Now he's paralyzed. He's paralyzed, not able to walk. They might have taken him to all the doctors. They might have taken him to all the, all the uh, physicians that were available. Why do we, how do we know there were physicians available? I'll come to the next story where we find that there were physicians available who could have healed him. But they might have taken him on this bed many places, but nothing happened. Suddenly they heard that Jesus is back. They have heard about this great physician that he can heal. Let's take our friend there. So they bring him. But when they came... Man, there is a huge crowd outside. They cannot even enter near the door. They cannot even come to the door. In my imagination, I began to think like this. 
These four friends would have started pleading with these people. Hey guys, can we make some room for us? We just want to take this guy. There is this, their faith is so simple. All we need is for our friend to be in the presence of Jesus. That's all. Somehow bring him to the presence of Jesus. They started pleading. Hey, please give some way. But when they could not find, nobody giving them, because everybody wants their own piece of Jesus. Everybody wants their own share of Jesus. Everybody wants their own glory of Jesus. Oh, we were there. I was there. Nobody's giving them any space. They decided to do a, do a daring step. They went on the roof of the house. In those days, the staircases were built around the house so that people can go on the roof of the house, where they would oftentimes think, put things for drying up. And here the friends found that, and they began to go and dig of this floor, this, 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 uh, uh, the roof of the house, which is made of mortar and you know, mud and bushes were all there. They began to unpack it. They began to re re remove it. The roofing plaster, they removed it. What does this tell you and me about, this, about the, the faith of these, of these four friends? I would have asked them, hey guys, chill, chill it out. You know, wait. Jesus' meeting will be over. This crusade is not going to be going forever. Eventually, he will come to a finishing point at some point. He will say, amen. Isn't it? Then you can meet him. Or maybe come back tomorrow. He's still going to be around. Or maybe we will find another opportunity. Or I would have even thought, Jesus, you are God. Why, why couldn't you see from your, from your vision that there are four people who are waiting outside to come and see? Why didn't you stop? Or even I could say, when you saw the commotion on the, on the rooftop, why didn't you stop your preaching and say, hey, guys, bring them down. We don't want this roof to be broken apart. Nothing of those things happened. And when they let his, their friends down right in the front of Jesus, he didn't first respond to the sick guy. He first responded to these four guys. He looked at them and he looked at their faith. He looked at them and he looked at their faith. Simple faith, yet bold and courageous, willing to take the risk, willing to take the risk. Hallelujah. Jesus valued their faith and he said to them, your sins are forgiven. Because this guy not only just needed a physical healing, he also needed a spiritual healing. He needed his soul to be saved. He needed his body to be made well. But before his body could be made well, he needed the salvation that Jesus is willing to offer. And he said, the Son of Man has been given the power to forgive sins. Wow. Church, the story is so, so, it speaks to us. A simple faith that is willing to take the risk and that faith is honored, honored by Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe you and I need to take some risk for some people like these friends. Maybe risk, risking it for the gospel, risking it for Jesus. Maybe introducing some, someone to Jesus. Maybe bringing Jesus to our workplace. Hallelujah. And say, you know what? I cannot do anything, but I know someone who can do it. That's exactly what they are doing. Bring him to the presence of Jesus. Take him before the throne room of God and say, I will pray for you because God alone can bring about a lasting change in this situation. So bold. This brings you to the third character here, which is found in Mark chapter 5. Again, a beautiful story of a simple yet profound and bold faith. Mark chapter 5 tells you and me the story from verse 21 onwards as you read. Verse 25 onwards precisely, but verse 21 onwards, Jesus crossed over in the boat to the other side and a great crowd gathered about him. Crowd is always there, but then there are those with need who come and they will grab hold of Jesus. Grab hold of Jesus. In this story we find that there is a woman who has an issue. Verse 
Chapter 5, verse 26 reminds you the graphic condition of this woman. Read that, verse 26. She is having a blood flow issue. She has suffered under many doctors. She has exhausted all her wealth. She has not improved, but she is getting worse day by day. Really emphatic, isn't it? She has suffered much from many physicians. That's why I was telling you. She suffered much from many physicians. She has gone to all the doctors. She has gone to all the experts. She has gone to all the big hospitals in her, in her, vicinity, in, in, in her, in her neighborhood. But she has gained nothing. Nothing. She heard of Jesus and she acted to come. You know why her faith is so bold? There are several aspects why her faith is bold. Number one, her faith is bold because she wanted to go in the crowd and touch Jesus. Number one. In the condition that she finds herself, she's ceremonially unclean. She cannot go because anyone she touches becomes unclean. So she is not able to go and be in a crowd like that. She's not supposed to be in a crowd. She should be living by herself, separated. Because any, any place that she sits is also unclean. So, but her desire, her boldness to even go and go and be in the crowd, that is number one. Number two, she doesn't say that I need to go and have Jesus lay his hand on me and heal me. No, all she said is this, I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. That's all. It is not the, big, the bigness of our faith. It's not how much of Jesus she wants. The bigness of our faith is that how little I want of Jesus just to be able to touch the robe of his garment. Simple faith. Simple faith. Hallelujah. She became conscious. You know, she began, she began to realize that sufficient for me is to just touch the hem of his garment. Now listen to that. Her faith is contrasted there again with the, the people in the household of Jairus. Because at this time that Jesus is healing her, some of them came and said, don't bother, the, don't bother the teacher anymore because the girl is dead. Contrast to that, who is Jesus? Is he sufficient for you? Is he sufficient for you in all aspects of your life? That's what she's reminding you and me. Jesus is able and sufficient and powerful for me in all aspects of my life. Hallelujah. Whereas these people are saying, don't bother the teacher anymore. The girl is done. The girl is dead. There is no hope anymore. To that, Jesus replies, just have faith. In other words, healing of this woman is nothing else but a life lesson for these doubters, these silent naysayers to say that, hallelujah, if you have faith, you shall be able to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. We, would, we, we can ask several things. Why, why would she make such a daring and bold step to go to see Jesus? She could have said to herself, I need not go because I'm ceremonially unclean, number one. Number two, Jesus is the teacher, guru, rabbi. I cannot go and be near him. Number three, I need not be shown myself to anybody outside in my family. Number four, I've gone to all the doctors. I don't know whether Jesus can do anything about it. She can bring all these things, all these questions of doubt, Lay it there and say, I don't see that any, any situation is going to change anything like that. Nonetheless, she, she never allowed herself to be taken over by the negatives, but rather she says, let me go and touch the hem of his garment. That's all I need, just a bit of Jesus, hallelujah. And I know for sure that I will be made whole. 
Brothers and sisters, it was not the touching of the garment that brought her wholeness. When Jesus commended her, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made, your, you know, that faith which is able to see that what little I have, even there, my God is sufficient and able to come through for me. Hallelujah. Jesus did not allow her to go. I will ask the worship team to come. Jesus didn't allow this woman to go by herself. He didn't keep her in isolation, say, okay, I saw some power leave me to heal somebody because a big crowd is around me. A big crowd is around me. Have you ever thought why Jesus didn't allow her to go by herself? Jesus immediately turned in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples says, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. You know why? Church, verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Jesus was not only just looking to give her a physical healing, but he was after her soul. His address to her is daughter. And that's the word that she was longing to hear in the last 12 years when people in the society had cast her outside and they said, you no longer belong to us. Maybe her family would have rejected her. It is in those moments that she needed someone to lift up her spirit to say, daughter, you are precious to me. It's not just a physical healing alone, church. It was an emotional healing. It was a relational healing. It was a spiritual healing. Hallelujah. Number two. That was also an opportunity to encourage the faith of Jairus because Jairus is seeing all these things. He's standing by Jesus. What is Jesus going to do now? When they came and said that your daughter is dead, it is in moments like that. You know, sometimes your healing and my healing sometimes become opportunities, hallelujah, to encourage somebody else's faith. Thirdly, it was a public testimony, public testimony that it brings glory to Jesus. So this, this morning, church, all these three stories, all these three stories reminds us, number one, simple faith, simple faith, yet bold and courageous. Faith that will not take a no for an answer. Faith that is willing to persist and persevere. Hallelujah. Even today, God is calling you and me through these unnamed heroes of faith. Unnamed heroes of faith, unsung heroes of Old Testament and New Testament. Where will we put our trust? You know, don't blame our circumstances. Maybe sometimes God has put you in the circumstances. The young slave girl is teaching you and me. Sometimes God takes you and me through circumstances that there also we can bring glory and honor to him because there also God can use you. Never underestimate the power of God's ability and power to use you and me no matter what the circumstances is. Shall we rise to our feet this morning, church, as we continue to give glory to God? As we continue to worship him, let's ask ourselves, Lord, where is my faith this morning? Can I be a witness of your faith, of this great God, no matter what my circumstances are? May the Holy Spirit continue to minister to us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.